0: Episode 8, this is Grain Knockers. Is this not what you've been waiting for? Have you not been entertained? I'm Ryan from Mackinwood. I'm
1: Steve from Grain Creation. This is Nick from Goodwood Designs. This is Kevin from Tool Tech and More.
2: This is KC with At Mangrove Designs.
0: This is Scott with Edwards Workshop. I'm Donovan from The Beardless Man. This is Taylor Hubble from Hubble Woodshop. And I am. And I am. And I am. And I am, and I am Grain Knocker Nation. What's up, Grain Knocker Nation? That was really weird. Thanks, guys, for coming to episode eight. Uh, it's the new Grain Knockers. It's not like the old because it's like the new. And you guys don't know what that's like yet because it is, this is the first time, okay? This episode, towards the end of the episode, we're going to have a special interview with Jet Woodworking. Jet, J-E-T, no S. Uh, they're not a bad football team. They're a great tool company. Jet Woodworking joins us later right now part of the new Grain Knockers is that I'm going to bring in peers. I'm going to bring in people that I feel you all will benefit from hearing from. The first guess is nothing short of a perfect example of how you should be and maybe shouldn't sometimes. Her name is Amanda and she is owner operator of Rustic Duck Furniture.
3: I'm Amanda, I'm from Rustic Duck Furniture, and I am Green Knocker Nation.
0: Amanda. Well, hello, Green Nation. Hello, Green Knocker Nation. That was nice. You fit right in right away. How's it going? Well, thanks,
3: much. It's going good, Phil. How's things with you?
0: It's going great. Busy. Good. Are you busy up there in Canada?
3: Yeah, I'm super busy up here in Canada. Just uh, winding things down for the summer. You know how it is.
0: It's getting into that. You better stock up on some stuff for christmas time of year.
3: You know what, I look around um at things that are, you know, going on and people are getting into doing halloween decorations, making all their christmas gear and I'm kind of glad that I don't do market stalls or anything like that because my head can't get around the fact that I would need to be making christmas stuff right now.
0: Oh no. Yeah, but you could still, I mean, your stuff would sell awesome at a show. At least in my market when I go to shows, I know what you're saying about like time of year and trends like, okay, time to cut out 50 pumpkins. Like, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> but, um, like just bring in your TV consoles or your beds or your tables. I mean, I get so many table orders like two months before Thanksgiving because in people's head, it starts clicking like, I'm going to have Thanksgiving at my house this mm-hmm. year. I want a new table, you know?
3: And I get that too, for sure. And if, um, I'm so good with some stuff that I'm winding down at the minute anyway that I need to set aside you know three or four weeks if not more to make a full complement of stuff to take to a show and for all intents and purposes the things that sell at shows are the things that a lot of people are already making. Um, The market can get saturated with too much of the same thing so for me to just jump in there and do that as well, I think I'm at a level where I can start making different, more interesting, more exciting, cool stuff. So I don't want to storm into a show and take somebody else's business away from them because, you know, I'm I'm not about that. I'm, I'm going to let the woodworkers that want to sell their home consoles, their X-based consoles, their sliding door consoles, that's their thing. I want to move... In a different direction, and that's why I I don't do shows.
0: So you're saying like instead of just making stuff that's trendy and stuff like that, you like to do more of like the custom ordering and unique stuff. Am I saying that right? Like, do you prefer just to have the custom orders, or do you prefer to make a unique piece, post it on whatever, and see who buys it?
3: Yeah, that's absolutely. Um, and I'll I'll give it a bit of background so I can clarify that statement really. When I first started woodworking, it was more not because I thought, I'd love to do woodworking. I'm really going to try that. Hell yeah, watch me go. I'm a girl and I can do this. It was because I needed a picture frame. He had some wood and my husband had a mitosaur. saw. Now, I am obstinate and stupid enough to think that I can do anything. I'm phenomenally surprised that I still have both of my hands. <laughs> After that first attempt uh, cutting a 45 degree mitre in barnwood. I had no idea what I was doing, not a clue. Um, and it scared me actually. But anyway, so, so I did that, um, made this frame and I've actually got the frame still here. After I made the frame, uh, a friend of mine had said, hey, I've just made this table. I've, I've seen, um, you know, I'm sure you've heard of Anna White. So I've just made this table, you know, and this is a woman, she gives can plants. And I'm like, no way, you mean we can actually do this? This is something that a girl can do that we don't need to go get our husbands to to cut wood for us because it looks so damn manly and, you know, and all that kind of thing. So, you know, I I sat there and I did a bit of research. I'm like, well, this can't be that difficult. If, you know, if there's another girl doing it, maybe I should try this too. And then things went nuts. Right. Now, I will give a bit of a story. I am a trained interior painter. I have studied art, so I do know a fair amount about finishes and so on. So for me, when I was making things, woodworking was kind of a means to creating something that I could put a finish onto. And it really became a perfect storm. And I got so, so busy that last year, you know, I could have probably killed myself because I was working so hard creating things that people wanted me to create and that takes the fun out of it you know it as a as a creative person you need to wake up at three o'clock in the morning and go oh, i've had a brilliant idea i want to do this when you have got custom orders that don't get me wrong i am so very effing thankful for because they pay the bills, but the two don't jive um, you can't be creative and then make what somebody else wants you to make.
0: Yeah, I get that. Um, it's like yeah. uh, it's it takes the creative personality out of you when – okay, so I'm with you. The last year of my business, I haven't created one new thing. One new yeah. thing. All I've created is what everyone else wanted me to create. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I'm very appreciative. It's a business. I'm making money. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. – at the end of the day, like, I want to wake up at 3 in the morning like you just said, and I want to make something that I just dreamt about making or something that I got inspired about seeing on Instagram. Or It's a double-edged sword. I I completely agree with you, though. And, you know, I think woodworking, it sounds like for you, was just a an outlet to use your artistic and trained, you know, painting styles.
3: That doesn't mean to say I don't want to get better at woodworking because for, you know for a piece to look really good and really finished like you and I have spoken about before you have to have a good base you know and we were talking about prepping things for for finish well before you can prep something you've got to have something to prep for finishing you know so but that's that thing that you and I have got in common you know we have a love of the finishing but we also understand that you can't get to a really cool end product without spending a ridiculous amount of boring time. And it is boring, don't get me wrong. No one enjoys prep. It's the shittiest part of finishing. But to get the really good end result, you have to spend the time right at the beginning.
0: It's so, you know, it, it's so underappreciated. It's so, so, yeah, so not valued enough in what we do. I mm-hmm. mean – and. Part of it's to blame on, you know, the kind of trending rustic look people want. So people buy two by fours. I mean, if I would have told my grandfather who showed me how to woodwork a long time ago that all you see people buying nowadays is made out of two by fours furniture wise, he would have laughed his butt off. He would have not believed that. But that's just kind of yeah. the look. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I think that's why it people don't about, spend um, the time finishing stuff. Because in order to make something the way you want it, you have to go through the trouble of, like you said, that non-exciting, non-fun, horrible, but rewarding prep.
3: Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I'm just going to deviate from, ever so slightly from something that you've just said, where, you know, people are making furniture on two by fours. Hell, I'm making furniture from two by fours. You know, I'm not just going to sit there and say, hey, look at me, I'm so good, I'm awesome because I'm a great woodworker. No. I'm making furniture from two by fours, I'm i I'm moving, you know, into different woods, but that's because I want to progress. What I think is so great about this whole, let's say, two by four furniture, let's call it, is it gives people a chance and an opportunity to try stuff. You can go to your big box stores, you can buy, you know, they might be the shittiest bentest two by fours in the world. And you might have a table that looks like it came from an Alice in Wonderland set by the time you've done. But you know what? You just did that. And excuse my language, but that's fucking awesome. If oh, you yeah. can make something, or, you know, why should you not? And I, I've said, I think, a ton of times on my Instagram page, cabinet makers, furniture makers, real journeyman carpenters must roll their eyes sometimes when they see you know, the two by four furniture, but it's, it starts you somewhere. Yeah, everyone has to start somewhere. And if they start there and it gives them a new love of doing something, then freaking go for it. Go for it till you're blue in the goddamn face. Make your X console tables, make whatever. If you want to stop at that level and carry on selling to customers that want that, You go for it. For people like me, I want to move off into a slightly different direction and learn some different techniques. But to go back to to where we were when you were saying, you know, so exactly what is it that you want to do? I want to make fucking cool stuff. I want to take a freaking car door, an old Chevy door, and I want to turn it into a beer cabinet. Right. I want to take that shouldn't be taken – and make it into something that now can be. I want to make a man bar that's got the coolest shit in it that you've ever seen. That takes time. And for me to have the time to do that, I had to make the decision a few months ago to stop all custom orders, um, to wrap them all up, and, and, you know, to be able to do that. But another thing that I'm doing as well is, because I've just said my first love is finishing, I'm focusing on my YouTube channel to do more custom finishes, to show people about that because that's my niche. That's what I do. If I have a complete building YouTube channel, it's gonna be no different to any other YouTube channel. Right. You know, I, I don't wanna compete with April Wilkerson, I don't wanna compete with, you know, any any other girl builders out there. This is my niche. Stick with what you're good to. And the amount of, of things that I've got from woodworking, from finishing, the self-belief that I can actually do something. If I can teach somebody that they can do it too and they can have that self-belief, then that's my reward. So oh, to yeah. make someone feel awesome is the best reward in the world.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great way to look at it. And I think that you would be great teaching finishes, obviously, because you're sick at it. Um, <laughs> hey, the going back real quick to the 2 by4 thing, I think mm-hmm. I think the the more popular content creators are kind of responsible for that. And what I mean is it's pretty easy from a content creator's perspective to show someone and to get someone interested in a project. That's super cheap and super easy.
3: Oh, absolutely. You're right. Because what you have to do as a content creator, okay, your main aim as a content creator is to garner views. Mm -hmm. Garner views, you have to appeal to the widest possible audience that you can. You can't alienate people by saying, oh, I'm just, I'm going to use this Paducah and now we're going to put it through my five-horsepower table saw that, A, no one's got Paducah and no one's got a five-horsepower table saw. Exactly. You're cutting down your market phenomenally. So the content creators that do that, do you know, I always feel like kind of bad for them in a way because it's like every morning you're going to have to sit there. And try and think of something else that you can make out of two by fours. My yeah. brain doesn't work like. Do you know what I mean? That's got to be a really, really tough thing to do. And do you know what? The creativity of some of these people absolutely blows my mind. How you can come up with making this, that, and the other. Just you know, we say two by fours, but you know what I mean. You know, just buying dimensional lumber.
0: Right. They're like um, Mag- they're like MacGyvers of two by fours. Yeah. No
3: doubt, hey. It's like <laughs> it's, here's this. Outdoor table and chair set. Oh, plus a, a beer cooler that I just made out of two two by fours and a freaking button. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I can't do
0: that. It looks like a horse. How did she do yeah. that? <laughs> and <laughs> we're not yeah, ta- we're not no, talking so, crap about them either. It's actually like a no, compliment. It, it, I think
3: it, to me, it blows my mind how people can uh, are that creative with with just one medium. Um, and it and it it's a good thing because these small uh, projects allow more people to come in and say, well, well, shit. Yeah, I can do that too. Um, You know, and and that's deadly. And that's, that, that, that's so good because you know, when you make a flag or when you build something, when you make something, you sit there and go, freaking kidding me. I built that. I made that. And for those split seconds in time, you feel like king of the world because you, you just created something that didn't exist before, and that's awesome.
0: It is awesome. You know what else is not mm-hmm. awesome is when you What's finish a build a- and you look at it, and you're like, this is mm-hmm. not awesome. i gotta, <laughs> I got to completely <laughs> yeah. redo this.
3: We all have those. You know, you what, know what happens, me? yeah. Deal. Like are you kidding me? It's probably like once a week, it's like oh, this great idea and then it's like, Well that great idea turned out to be the worst idea in the
2: world. I
0: think like, bad ideas or yeah. I think bad execution has led to more learning than anything and I do not regret messing up.
3: Absolutely. There's a, you know, a million and one people will tell you that you don't um, learn things from textbooks or anything like that. You learn things actually on the job. Like you say, the things that you learn are because you fudged up.
0: Okay, so yeah. l- let let me ask you a couple questions here. Sure. Since you're the queen bee of finishing, and I'm going to <laughs> make them uh, sure it's available at greyknockers.com,
2: Oh
0: yeah. <laughs> someone listening now that that uh, uses basic Home Depot, Lowe's paint doesn't know mm-hmm. why their finishes don't turn out as good as they want. No matter what it is, what mm-hmm. what would you tell someone to work on the most to get your finishes the best? Whether it's technique, whether it's practice piece, whether you know, what advice would you have for people as far as that goes? Well,
3: my best advice is. You have to pair, and we're talking paint, or are
0: we talking stain? Maybe the combo. I mean, let's just say finishes in general.
3: See, that's a really tough one bill. You put me on the spot because you know as much as I do that when you're doing a finish, you have to make sure that whatever you're putting on your substrate, and when I say substrate, it's kind of technical term for thing that you're going to paint. You have to make sure that the thing you're putting on top of the thing you're going to put it on top of, you, you need to make sure that they're compatible. And you need to make sure that not only are they compatible, but that the end result is, so if you're finishing a table, you need the finish on that table to wear up to the, you know, amount of wear and tear that a table is going to get. You know, it sounds really boring, but it's just a case of know your product.
0: I was just going to say know that. I was just going to say, how much is it of knowing like what you're using? Because that was spoke absolutely about in the previous episode, too.
3: About, absolutely everything about knowing what you're using. And that seems such a boring answer that I just gave because people, I'm sure, uh, are expecting me to say, if you do X, Y, Z, then you're going to get this amazing finish. But because... I've been in the business for such a long time with with painting and finishing. I know how important it is to match the product that you're wearing for the wearing the product you're using to the end result that you want.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, um, what do you think? What do you think about people going to those uh, expos to learn about product? Like I know, General Finishes has a bunch. That Haven Conference that I just saw everyone at, where there was a bunch of expos teaching product knowledge. What do you think about people diving into that? I mean, if it's just if this is just fun for you, do you recommend investing that much, or is it per person? Like, if you want to do it, do it.
3: No, I think it's a great idea because if you if you're gonna make furniture, if you're gonna refinish furniture, if you're gonna paint or put a finish on anything. Super important to learn what you're doing, and if you want to get good at something, then you have to give yourself the background knowledge that you need. Go to expos if you want, go to conferences if you want. The best place to start is a manufacturer's um, data sheet on finishes, they will tell you what's in it, what they do, the best way to apply. Um, manufacturers don't put these things out for shits and giggles, they put those data sheets out because they know how their product should be used and what it should be used for um so i spend a lot of time reading the the MSDSs and stuff because i think it's really really important and again it sounds like such a boring answer for me to give to the listeners out here but if you don't do the research on what you're using and that can be you know it can be as, as Stupidest going onto YouTube and watching a video, which is why I want to take my YouTube channel in that direction. Yeah. Because if someone's right. at least got the basic knowledge of what a finish does, what it will hold up to, the fun stuff that you can do with it after you've used it the proper way, it should be used. Then it is. It's all about knowledge. So, do you, um, are you, you know, a brusher
0: or a sprayer? Or is that too personal?
3: <laughs> I'm. Do you know what? If I had to choose, it would be a brusher. I find brushing on finishes really, really cathartic. I get a lot of thinking done, um, and I, I, I just love brushing on a finish. But again, that's because I was a painter. I enjoy brush work.
2: Yeah, that's, that's true. The
3: way it is. I, I, paint pictures as well. So I, I'm ambidextrous. I can do it
0: with both hands. <clears throat> Do you do it? What there do you, you have? Do you have a sprayer? Like, do you, do you spray I, at all, or?
3: Yeah, I I have an HVLP. Um, I have two HVLPs, and I have a Wagner Flexio electric sprayer. Um, you know, I've used the big Graco, You know, the biggies when I was doing the interior painting, but you'd never use that for doing furniture, so that that went out the window. Um, I will spray a finish if I'm spraying a. A table base because it's quick. If I'm pushed for time, I'll spray it because it's quick. Sometimes I just like to brush it, and my husband will come into the shop. What the hell are you brushing that for? Where's the sprayer? Well, I do not feel like spraying today. I wanted to brush it just because. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the way I am. You know, you know when you're creative. I, right? I don't feel like I have to do something just because someone says this is the way it should be done. As well, sometimes I'll just do it just because.
0: Yeah, I'm at fault sometimes because sometimes on like Instagram, I'll tell people, if you're not spraying, you're not good. Like I don't say it like that, but but it's, <laughs> it, I think it's only because uh, I just believe in it so much. And it's not so much mm-hmm. like some of the finishes that you do where you combine different, you know, medias or whatever. I, I'm mm-hmm. saying if you're going to do a farm table and the base is just black or white, put some primer in a sprayer, spray it, move on. Like, it's more efficient, I think. And if you do your prep work the right way, it's flawless. Mm -hmm. Like, you can get a flawless finish that way. Now, what you're saying about brush work, I completely agree with because you could sit there and think about, like, the next four days. I mean, it's cathartic, like you said. you You could literally plan out the next week of work while you get something done. So in that sense, I think it's great. Plus, if you don't prep your stuff very well, I find a brush can cover up some things too. Sometimes like you can, you, you, you're able to do more with a brush than a sprayer. As far as that
3: goes. I agree with that 100%. But what I'm, you know, I'm going to add a caveat into that is if I am going to use a brush and paint, I won't use the same kind of paint that I'll use in the sprayer. To, if I'm going to use, if I'm going to brush it, I, will use uh, Benjamin Moore Advanced if I'm going to brush because it just levels better than the paint I like to use in the sprayer. Um, it just gives me a, a nicer finish if I'm brushing. But again, that all comes down to having worked with a bajillion and one different paints and knowing what goes to a sprayer, knowing what levels well on a brush, knowing what your brush strokes are going to do so you know it it, it, it's not as easy as me sitting there and going, oh you know i'm just going to pick up this and i'm going to paint it today you know you i have to change you know a lot of the products that i use and both products what i use through the spray and what i use on a brush both do the same job you know i think we also get asked i'm sure you get asked as well well what's the best finish what's the best top coat to use that's the same as saying what's the best truck to drive Chevy, Dodge or Ford. They all get you from A to B. They will all do what they're meant to do. A lot of this comes down to personal preference. Um, you know, general finishes, I would love to use them and it sounds really awful. I haven't. You think in all my years of doing this, I haven't. But what you have to remember is I live very rurally. Um, if I use a product and then all of a sudden go to my cup and I'm like, oh shit, I've run out. It's a three hour drive for me to go to the next pro store. Right. Go pick some up. So I need to use what I can get hold of locally, what I know works and and blah blah blah. So
0: I I think that was, you know, that was a big question before too, was uh, top coats and you know, general finishes when I use them, they're waterborne top coats, just seem to dry fast. They they outperform the other stuff. You know, and yeah. I do this out of my house and I have young kids inside. So as far as like the fumes and the smells, I want to I try to use water based everything. But um some stains, you know, like Minwax stains, you're going to go with oil stuff. But yeah, I don't know. I think the top coat stuff out of a spray it, for me, it has to dry fast because I have to get to the next step. So time for me is doing this full time. Like, you know how it is. I want stuff to get just done. I want to get it done. Mm -hmm. Because like you're saying, we take orders and you just want to finish it because there's no creativity left in it for you anymore, even though you're doing a great job and it's going to look awesome. Like, let's just get it done so I can get to the next one, the next one, so I can finally make something new. At least that's what goes through my head.
3: Yeah, no, and and I agree with you. And there's a a ton of us and I speak to a, a lot of builders, mostly girls, because, you know, we sit there and chat about a lot of things and... And a lot of people feel the same way, that customers, you'll find that a customer will order something that they've just seen. So then six months down the line or whatever your lead time is, you're making six of the same thing. And you just want to slit your wrists as so a creative person that, you know, it can be soul-destroying. Um, and that's not, and, and that sounds as though I'm being really, really ungrateful and truly I'm not. I am grateful for every customer, every order, everything that I get to build is is giving me the opportunity to do every day what I love doing every day. But as a creative person, I'm dying inside. Every everything that I've built the same, the same, the same. It just it, it's killing me. Yeah. So I, I have to stop and I have to I have to do something different, you know. And people say, Oh, so what are you gonna make? I don't know. I just want to make something that people say, you know what? That's freaking cool. Right. That's what I want to make.
0: Since you brought up the girls thing, the other day mm-hmm. I put up a post on the mm-hmm. Green Knockers Instagram page, which if you're listening, yep. you should follow. Um, <laughs> and I asked yes. the, who are the women Instagrammers, makers, builders, woodworkers – Who just kill it, you know, and I thought maybe I'd get 10 people commenting, three different girls, and I'm, would know them all already, and I just, we got like 200 comments, and I think that I'm following, it's gotta be over 30 new women, just awesome creators. Mm -hmm. Do you find that being a woman, do you find that either you're overlooked, or that you're different because you're a woman in this community or do you feel that your products just speak for themselves and that's it do
3: you know what Bill that's, it's a really good question and it's one that I've toyed with actually for months is it important for me to be seen as a woman in woodworking you know do we need more of a voice blah 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 Um, and I don't have an answer for that because I'm a woman does that make sense <laughs> I, no, no, If no one's going to tell me that I can't do anything.
0: No, for and sure. I'm not
3: saying that because, you know, I'm going to go on marches and shout vagina every five minutes. Do you know what I mean? You are not going to tell me that I can't do anything. But that's because I'm a belligerent, obstinate, pain in the ass son of a bitch. And I'm going to do it anyway. That's nothing to do with me being a woman. So I'm going to switch that question back on you and ask you as a guy do you think it's important that there are more women in you know woodworking
0: i could care less i think um whether you're a man or a woman and you're killing it you're killing it you know what i mean yeah i don't judge yeah. this is where with me as a viewer as a fan of pages not as a maker i get a little i get a little irritated when women use tools men men don't have and it's not it doesn't become what as much things
3: as new old men don't have you know what like what what do you mean
0: like boobies okay like i, I don't
3: have boobies
0: <laughs> <laughs> no you you're going to get what i'm about to say you go yep. to a page and you like maybe just one post is a killer table right and mm-hmm. then you look on their page and all you see are it's more about like them and their clothes they're wearing than like the product that's where i'm like eh whatever you know but if a the best is whether you don't know if it's a man or woman killing it but you just love the page because the products are sick that's what's cool to me
2: yeah
3: you know what that i that is cool and you know what surprises me too um and i shouldn't do this and you're gonna say that you do this and you shouldn't as well but if you if something comes up on your news feed or whatever that's a just a deadly product, and then you click on that page and you like it and blah blah blah, and you find out it's a woman, I'm like, "Oh my God, that's a woman. Why should we be surprised that it's a woman? Does, you know does that make sense?
0: I agree with we you sh-
3: We shouldn't be, but we are, and I still am, um, but I agree with you a hundred percent about you know the sex cells.
0: Yeah. That's basically what I, just, I was getting yeah. at.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, don't get me wrong, and please don't take this as a, you know, as a knock towards the male character. But the reason sex sells is because men and women are wired differently. Um, so if you want to go off that way and use that as your advertising, fine. Fair play to you. This is not for me to tell you right. what or not to do.
0: More power Everyone's to you
3: thing that they want to look at for me you know I like looking at a naked fireman as much as the rest of the person but if I'm looking at woodworking (laughs) I don't want to see a table or a cool freaking build I don't want to see a naked fireman next to well I might want to see a naked fireman next to a table but do you know what I'm saying if I'm going to appreciate you for your skills it's not because you've got a pair of boobs or a big pair of muscles or or you know drop dead killer gorgeous blue eyes I I want to see the woodworking, and I'm sure most guys and women think the same. Everyone wants to be taken seriously in the maker community for what they make, not for what they look like or, you know, whatever.
0: It gets follows, though. I can't – you can't argue the fact that a lot yeah, – not a lot. Follow- I, I would say a couple that use that yeah. technique. They have a lot of follows.
3: Yeah, they do have a lot of follows, but who wants follows from somebody that's going to turn around and say, Oh, look at your legs. They look so freaking hot in that. I want to follow because someone's like, Oh my God, look at that finish. And I mean, maybe because my legs don't look hot in that, you know, but <laughs> it, it, so it depends on the audience you're going for. It depends on whether you want to be taken seriously as a woodworker or as a model. If you want to be a model, freaking have at it. If you want to be a woodworker, concentrate on your woodworking and that's what's going to get you the respect from the woodworking community. I I don't care what people do. I don't care. But don't tell me you are a serious woodworker if you're going to sit there in a bikini and flip-flops while, you know, taking photos in the shop because that ain't going to jive with me
0: yeah I agree and um, I think for the most part most women pages that I follow now 99 98 ninety nine percent of them are legit non-attention seeking you know good crafty woodworking artist.
3: And I think it's great that, that you see so many of these girls and I, I really I'd like to ask and I might put a question out on my Instagram how did you get involved in woodworking because it's not because we don't have the opportunity even when I was at school all those fucking hundreds of years ago I did woodworking so I had the opportunity to learn it I thought it was boring as shit and I hated it it wasn't until I got old um and then I built something through necessity that I actually enjoyed it so I only got into woodworking because A, I needed to and then found out I enjoyed it. You know, I've always had the opportunity to do it. So I, it makes me wonder why, why women get into woodworking at what stage of their lives they get into. You're always going to get the ones that knew from day one that they wanted to be into a trade. They wanted to be a carpenter, carpenter cabinet maker finished carpenter, framing carpenter, whatever. Um, there's one girl out there who just, like, she's freaking deadly. Her name's Renee Ptolemy. And I don't know if you ever follow her, Ptolemy Construction. She owns a building company. She's the prettiest little thing you've ever seen. Beautiful figure. But me, she kicks ass. She's good. Um She's probably better than a lot of guys, but she does her job as well as, a good guy in the trade. And I don't know why that should be surprising.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. A I...
3: She, she kills it just like any other guy kills it. But why to me, still in this day and age, is a woman killing it in the trade seen as something that, oh my God, I, I, that I don't get. And I would love to know why. And I know you're going to get a million and one people saying to you, Oh, well I don't think that I don't think that I don't think that and I'm gonna say you're lying.
2: Yeah. You you
3: wanna be so politically correct about stuff. If you don't tell the truth, you're never gonna get to the root of an issue. That's That's true. You know, that's my thoughts behind it. Like when we sorry, I'm just waffling on now. Do you know what makes me laugh? Is the amount of times my husband and I will go out and we'll be in my truck. So my truck that's got the decals all over it, the rustic duck furniture, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes I don't want to drive, so he'll drive it Um, and we'll go somewhere, oh, your rustic duck furniture, they say to my husband and and that's happened so many times, oh, you've got a furniture company, they say to my husband, no one ever says it to me, they always say it to my husband. And um my husband just laughs and says, No, actually that's that's the wife. Um and I just smile and say, Yeah, that's me and it's kinda of funny to see people's reaction. They don't believe I can build furniture. Ha.
0: Do you think it's so- like do you think it's similar to like a male stewardess on an airplane or?
3: it's exactly the same. It's like a, a guy doing who's a you know, a, a childminder or it's like a guy doing anything that's seen as a, a, a woman thing. You know, if I was if a if a man and a woman were stood in front of me and somebody said to me, Show me point to the one that you think is, you know, is a a housekeeper, I'm gonna point to the girl and I'm sorry, that sounds sexist. I'm sorry. But I am. And that's just the truth. I don't think it's a a bad thing to form opinions. It just makes us human. Um, The only reason I'd like to see more women get into woodworking is because it gives you this sense of self, a sense of being, and a sense of, hell yeah, I don't need a guy to build me a table.
0: I think men are to blame for so many woodworker women anyways. And I'll tell you why. How many of these women do you think have been begging their husbands to make that table to the point where these women sure. just went out in the garage and made it their damn self?
3: That is exactly – that's such a thing I was thinking of this morning. The exact same thing I was thinking that. That's really weird because the reason I made the picture frame the very first time was because I would said to my husband – can you make this for me? Well, no, no, I'm busy. I've got to go to work. And I said to him, well, I'm going to make it. And he said, no, you're not. Or it was something like, can I use your saw? And he said, no, because you're going to end up chopping your hand off. And so because my husband works in the oil patch, he's gone a lot of the time. So I've always had to do stuff myself anyway. And I'm like, well, how difficult can it be? So I waited till he went and, and I made it. Yeah. Like I said before, I could probably have lost an arm, both arms, knowing me, a leg as well. You know, if anyone's going to lose a leg using a, a mitosaur, it's going to be me. <laughs> um, but I made it and I did it because he said no. Um, and I agree with you that there, there, there has to be so many women out there that have thought, I'm going to do this because he hasn't.
0: Oh, for sure. And
3: it leads you into this wicked awesome thing. So does your wife not make some of the things with you, your girlfriend, wife, whatever?
0: You know, she threatens me with a good time, but uh, she never really comes out. Um, Although, she is a wizard when it comes to knitting and sewing, and we've collabed on a couple things, cushion-wise. Yep. She used my jigsaw once cuz she did come out and help. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't ever tell her no. Ever mm-hmm. since I went full-time woodworking, she makes more money than I do, so I can't tell her no. Yeah. But uh she came out, used the jigsaw, hit the trigger, dropped the jigsaw. It broke the brand new blade. She looked at me, walked inside. That's the extent. <laughs> cuz when the jigsaw, you know how you put it up to the wood and if you don't really have control of a tool, it can control you. I mean
3: Blade's gonna catch on the thing and it's gonna, it's yeah.
0: exactly what happened. And it fell uh-huh. on the floor. I looked up, like, I, I wasn't mad. I was just like, what, what, why? What just happened? Yeah. And she just looked at me, she put her head down and walked inside. I was like, all right, well, okay, I guess that's so over. I'm,
3: You know, I'm gonna scold you here. Do you not think that you, as a person that knew how to use a jigsaw, should probably have been keeping an eye on her to say, you know what? before you press before you squeeze go let's just move this blade back a little bit so it doesn't catch and
0: oh yeah i mean you're right i probably should have trained her better but at the same time she was really gung ho about just getting in and i could do it i could do it i could do it you know you know how you women can be sometimes and i was like okay you can do it that's fine here i'll stay here if you need yeah. help so she went right into it. She got discouraged. She went inside. I've offered to have her try it again. I've told her she will do great at it, but she doesn't listen.
3: But the <sighs> thing is that things like power tools you know, are scary. That sounds like a real girl thing to say, but you, we've all had shit happen with a power saw, a kickback on a freaking table saw. Are you goddamn kidding me? Table That's
0: saw, the table saw scared could- the shit out of me. The table yeah, saw, when I first started using a table saw, probably, you know, 18 years old, mm-hmm. it scared the shit out of me. I'm yeah. happy to admit it. I don't. It doesn't make me any less of a man. I could give two shits what anyone thinks about that. But your band saws, so cool. they can be scary. They can be scary for guys, too. Guys just think they can't yeah. admit it.
3: Mm, yeah, I mean, look at poor old design by Donnie on a freaking on his jointer.
2: Yeah.
3: That's a scary thing, you know, to see that amount of damage um someone used. You know, we we do use tools that can cause a lot of damage. So I'm gonna scold you, Bill, and I'm sorry. I do think you should probably have supervised Mrs. Bill.
0: Yeah. You're Probably right. A bit
3: more. I'm sorry.
0: When she gets home tonight, I'm gonna I'm just gonna bring her in the kitchen. I'm gonna apologize to her. I'm gonna say that Rustic Duck told me that I'm a jerk. And that and she thinks that, that. Come on. and she thinks that guys need to hold women's hands all the time when using tools. No <laughs>
3: oh, there is absolutely no freaking way I would say that. <laughs> I think you but you know what I'm trying to say, hey? If you're gonna show anyone um, how to do something. Starting off with safety should be pretty high on the goddamn
0: list. Yeah, probably. All right, so at this point in the show, because we've been talking a while, thank you for coming on. Amanda from Rustic Duck Furniture. Hi. She's awesome. If you don't Hi. follow her, make sure you follow her. So mm-hmm. something new that I'm going to do with the co-hosts each episode is that with guests in the past and currently, I do a yes or no thing. It was something I just thought of like on the spot. While we were interviewing someone in a previous episode. It's fun. But with, now that I'm having guest co-host, I think that instead of doing yes or no, I want to do a little game called Would You Rather. Okay, Amanda, are you down to play that?
3: I think that's a great yeah. idea. I am so down.
0: Hit oh. me. Okay, cool. Let's do this. Amanda from Rustic mm-hmm. Duck Furniture. Mm-hmm. Would you rather be Instagram famous or... Produce crazy, awesome pieces.
3: Absolutely, produce crazy, awesome pieces because one is going to lead to the other. Bam!
0: Yeah, because when I'm- you're insta-famous, doesn't mean you're talented. It just means you're desperate for attention.
3: You're an attention media whore.
0: <laughs> All right, now you ask me one.
3: Okay. Bill from William Patrick Customs. Hi. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Would you rather learn to weld or learn the fine arts of woodworking joinery?
0: Damn it. I knew you were gonna say that when there was a long pause. Mm-hmm. So I this game has to just have short answers. I'm going to say weld because I know a little bit more like I know basics of old world joinery, but I don't Mm -hmm. know the basics of welding, even though I've done metal work in the past. It was kind of luck, and I'm just happy I didn't burn my house down. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, welding for sure. I've used metal a lot in a bunch of different projects, and I look forward to doing more, but not to the point where, like, everyone else is doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to use it, like, in different ways. I
3: have another string
0: string bow type thing. Okay. Okay, Okay. so would you rather, Amanda from Rustic Duck Furniture, <laughs> would you rather drive a pickup truck that was your dream truck but only had two-wheel drive? Or would you rather drive a little mini like Ford Ranger that had four-wheel drive and a wood rack on it?
3: Yeah, I'd have to go with a Ford Ranger four-wheel drive with a wood rack. Yes! Because, yeah, but that's just because I live in Canada. Like we get snow on the ground six months of year. If I don't have four wheel drive, I ain't getting out of my drive.
0: That's not good.
3: I have to have four wheel drive.
0: That was a poor question too. I feel like that was a bad question.
3: You know what would have been a better question is because most people don't know this, but I'm actually or used to be a gearhead or a petrol head. So I love my vehicles.
0: Really. What would
3: have been a- Really difficult question.
0: Okay, let me ask you this. Um,
3: Would you like sports car against the truck? That's a real tough one.
0: Okay, let me ask you. Amanda Mm -hmm. from Rustic Duck. Yeah. Would you rather have your dream muscle car or your dream work truck?
3: (laughs) See, now you've got me. Yep. Um, and the only reason this is going to be easy to answer is because you said muscle car, and I'm not American. But we in all, UK, we all know we that
0: it's about muscle cars. There's no other cars.
3: No, no, no. It's, you see, in the UK, our uh, sports cars are more small engine, high power, rather than big ass engines sitting on the hood, blah blah blah. So I'm, I'm not, and never have been a fan of the muscle cars. So again, I have to. I would have to say it's going to be the truck. What?
0: You're not a no, fan no, of muscle. I, You're talking I, about like the Austin Powers like triumph car.
3: No, no, I'm not talking European cars. I'm talking like the, the old McLaren F1. Um, oh, okay,
0: I can respect the
3: old that. Diablo. You know when when sports cars really started to become supercars.
0: Like a Porsche um, uh, Porsche Spider. The one that Dean Martin had, or not Dean Martin? What's his name? Who's the guy who died in his poor uh, spider? The
3: one from the, I'm curious, um, Martin Dean? Paul Walker? No. Shit. Paul Walker.
0: No, not Paul, Paul Walker. Walker. I'm talking a long time ago. Yeah, Paul Walker died Walker in a Walker. Turbo 911. Yeah. James Dean. James Dean. James sorry. Dean. Sorry. Yeah.
3: Oh, rebel. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Beautiful car. Beautiful.
3: Yeah, I mean that that just classic design classic design so they would be it would be more difficult to choose between you know that kind of car rather than a a muscle car okay so so if
0: if you're a proclaimed gearhead what what's your dream car and i'm talking like realistic like what would you really enjoy all the time not just because it's like the most expensive or rare like
3: it would be a range rover vogue done up by no what One gone blank. Every time somebody asks me this question, it's like, yeah, it's a, a Range Rover.
0: Is it the Discovery no, not Three?
3: By, done up by Overfinch. Oh. Um, no, it's not the. It's not the Disco. The like obviously Land Rover owned Range Rover before they all got sold off. But the Range Rover, the classic style Range Rover. Mm. Um. It's it's that one, but it would be the Range Rover Bow. Done up by a company called Overfinch, and just so much under the the hood. Yeah, that would be my realistic dream vehicle. All I
0: right, couldn't what, have it now. What, are we, now.
3: what yeah. are we talking? What are we
0: talking? What was it going to take? The what kind of GoFundMe numbers are we going to need?
3: Oh shit! You could probably pick one up for fifty, sixty thousand. So not not without the realm, you know, not. Not in the realms of possibility. I could, if oh, yeah. I wanted one, could have yeah. one, but it's not going to be sensible.
0: Right. Okay. You asked me, uh, would you rather? Hey.
3: Okay. Would you rather visit Canada in the winter or the summer?
0: Winter, actually. Yeah? Yeah, the only time I ever went to Canada was in the winter, and it was to go skiing. hmm And I didn't when see you- a moose, which I was very upset about. Yeah. Okay, before we uh, say goodbye to you, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. But before oh, no. you before you leave us, I really Ooh. want, because of uh, you're our first female guest, which is not special because females are great <laughs> at everything too. I think we clarified yeah. that today. <laughs> but um, can you shout out three of your top favorite female um, Instagrammers just so people, like, can you give them a recommendation?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um and I've said this before, it's really difficult because there are so many girls that are, are good. But the ones that spring to mind immediately are at Macnelly Farmhouse Love, at Build Like a Chick, and at Tool School. Um, all those three for different reasons. Um, so go check them out. The tool school she's currently refurbing the inside of a flight cockpit oh. now if that's the coolest badass thing that you've ever seen a girl do, I don't know what is yeah'm yeah, do- those three I'm doing, doing one next
0: awesome. week I'm doing Great one of those girl. next week
3: yeah I mean why no, why kidding. not who, who
0: doesn't <laughs> yeah. that's yeah, super just badass those
3: girls are awesome. Well, I just want to say thanks for having me on, Bill. I've had such I've had a good time, and it's been nice chatting about woodwork, about life, about girls, about boys, and about everything. So thank you.
0: Yeah, no problem. And just keep in mind, Grey Knocker Nation, she is Amanda. She's at Rustic Duck Furniture on Instagram. Um, I'm sure she has a website and a YouTube. I know she has a YouTube. Uh, she's got over That's 20-something thousand follows. Uh she's originally from Over the Pond, but now currently is in an apartment above a great party known as Canada. Um, <laughs> she is Amanda. And uh where, tell them where they can find your website and your um YouTube.
3: Okay, I don't have a website. Um but Scratch I do it. have a YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do have a YouTube and that's rustic duck furniture. So if you want to come learn some cool finishes, um Come follow me because things are going to be getting kind of crazy starting next year on YouTube. Um, I have a Facebook page, Rustic Duck Furniture, and absolutely Instagram, Rustic Duck Furniture. I'd love to see you there.
0: Hey, it's been a pleasure um, this last year getting to know you, and it's awesome to have you as our first uh, guest host on Greyknockers. Amanda, Rustic Duck Furniture, thank you so much. And I know I will be talking really, really soon. Bye-bye. Such a privilege to have Amanda from Rustic Duck Furniture on the show. And let's get over to Jet Woodworking and see what's up with Jet.
1: Hey, everyone. I'm Russell Mason, the product management woodworking specialist at Jet Tools. And I am Grain Knocker Nation.
0: Hey, Grain Knocker Nation. We are really privileged today to have Russell Mason in the house. He is from Jet Woodworking. He is a woodworking specialist and also in the products management department. Russell, thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm pretty sure that you have the dream job where you go into work, you play with some of the world's best woodworking tools, and then you leave, go home, and get a paycheck. (laughs) Yeah, it's terrible. (laughs) Is that pretty much? Did I pretty much just sum up your life? from 9 to 5, Monday through Friday.
1: That's pretty good, but it's not always like that, but most of the time.
0: Let's just make – let's put the impression out there that that's all you do. I mean, that's <laughs> – then people will just be envious of you all the time.
1: That works for me. It, it's a terrible, but somebody's got to do it.
0: Right. So, Jet Woodworking's in the house. I've always known Jet as that classic white machine in a wood shop, you know, with the, the red stripe and the black Jet name on there. It just seems – you know for me growing up that's it's been like a goal for me to have jet in my shop and i'm not just trying to kiss your butt cuz you're on here it's it's pretty iconic brand to me so for those who don't know jet can you just kind of tell us where it came from yeah
1: yeah the uh it actually is kind of an all american story the guy uh, there was a guy out in seattle around seattle washington and he was basically just a scrap dealer. And what he would do is he would buy a bunch of scrap from whoever brought it to him, put it in a container and ship it over to China. Well, he would need his container back. So he had to pay to get his container back. And it didn't matter if it was loaded or empty, his container cost a certain amount. So they, to save a little bit of, you know, waste not want not, he would fill that container up. He, he saw a little shop in Chinatown somewhere or in China somewhere and uh, bought a bunch of hoist a whole container full of hoist filled it up brought it back and opened a little shop and sold those hoists and they sold very very fast and sold very well and what it was it wasn't a a high quality deal it was about price Uh, so when it started out i think he was probably just strictly working off price he was trying to make a little bit of money and give somebody a product that Normally, they wouldn't buy or couldn't afford whatever, didn't need to spend the extra money on it. So he kind of started this whole deal. Since then, it's kind of evolved over the years into a company that has, you know, the corporate headquarters is in just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. We've got a a great engineering group, purchasing, customer service, tech service, uh, the executive team. I mean, we've got everybody here. And in conjunction with several different other offices around the world, it's now a worldwide company. Um, we've got a uh, pretty cool training center here in in Tennessee also about 10 miles from the uh, corporate headquarters that we actually offer training to our a lot of our uh, salesmen and reps and whatnot but now you can actually get instead of just buying something and putting your name on it you can actually get a machine that is specific to jet whereas if we see something we need to change a little bit on it we will make it how we want to make it and that's what we're going to bring to you
0: that's an awesome story by the way to think that a a major company like jet started out as a kind of like a need almost because he was paying for these shipping containers to come back empty and he as an entrepreneur thought of you know i'm gonna well yeah kind of i'm gonna double dip on this and i'm gonna try to create a need for these empty containers and now look I like what happens.
1: Yeah, and it worked out, and it's and it's a great – I mean, if you, if it was your neighbor doing that, that would be the all-time American business. He's just trying to come up with a product for somebody that wants a product that he can provide. And now the product has gotten this unreal amount better. But uh, when it started out, it was kind of really for the larger cabinet shop, a lot of larger machines. And really now it's mainly for the uh, kind of the serious home shop guy, the hobbyist, you know, light commercial work. But I um, mean, they're great tools. The, the quality is there. You might not have the features on some of them as you do on some of the other machines, but the quality is there. And uh, it's amazing what difference it makes to use a good machine to do something versus use something that you've got to use a machine that you've got to really work at to, get it, to do what you need to do.
0: Yeah. And I just experienced that what you're talking about. I mean, I had a fourteen inch bandsaw that was a very it was probably just above entry level and I just upgraded to which I consider an upgrade to the jet eighteen three horsepower and wow. Like just cutting bigger materials and resawing and every the difference in the power and the construction and you can tell the difference between and I'm not saying that the bandsaw I had wasn't quality. But it, it was what it was, and this is what it is. I mean, the quality yeah, aspect—you can grow your talent through a machine. You know what I mean? It's just—it. I love that I got this bandsaw.
1: Yeah, and it, and it definitely complements. You know, a good machine can actually complement the the woodworker. But one good thing about the—if you got the new eighteen-inch bandsaw, we, we just redesigned the fifteen, eighteen, and twenty-inch bandsaw. And what what I liked about it is. We redesigned it to where it just packed with benefit for the customer, and none of them, the price pretty much stayed the same. I think one of them, the price went up a hundred dollars, and if you compare the two, there's almost no comparison. But we had to compare them because we're going from old to new. What what do you what do you offer? But the price didn't change any. But it looks kind of like it's the same machine, but it's really not. So a lot of times you got to really dig in and see the guts behind something before you can really see what you're actually spending your money on. What are you getting for your money? And and that's what, you know, the guts behind it is what we're trying to, to really put to it.
0: So on your bandsaws, what were some of the changes that you made? Uh, because I know that the bandsaw previous to this year's model, if this is the year it changed, were pretty good saws. So what were some of the upgrades or uh, changes? A lot of the
1: upgrades were the uh, – one of the, the first thing you'll notice is the, the way you can just uh, adjust the blade and and just change the blade. Where the guardings, you just open them and close them. There's no no screw that you have to spin to, to open a guard or whatever. Everything is just easy. It's user-friendly. The knobs are easier to get to. Larger. Uh, I think the bearings are, are bigger. I know on the 15, they, they went quite a bit larger. Uh, dust collection better. Really, the whole design changed.
0: I think um, on the guides too, like the bearing guides, uh, it's a complete tool-free system, right? Like you don't have to have an Allen key or a wrench to get in there and change your guide bearings, which is super right. free.
1: Yeah, and the the old one was a, a toolless design too, but it just – it was just lacking just a little bit. It could be a little bit better, I guess I should say.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I had one of the older ones, and I had to get rid of it just because the new one was that much better. <laughs> um, but, you know, it is what it is. But the uh, your fingers can get in there a little bit easier. It just makes it easier where you're not dreading changing your blade. You're not dreading adjusting your, your guides. It's it's one of those things. If we can make it easier, we still have to make money at it. But we want to give you a product that you like. You you know, get your bandsaw and then move on to the next machine that you need to buy.
0: Right. So from a company trying to fill a container from China back to the United States that was empty to jet woodworking business. This is, let me just read off some of the things that you guys offer. You offer scroll saws, lathes, dust management, drill presses, mortisers, woodworking grinders, sanders, bandsaws, shapers, miter saws, table saws, joiners and planers, clamps, mobile bases, you even offer gear and a good warranty I just read up on after my purchase of the uh, bandsaw.
1: Yeah, a great warranty. Uh, it's actually a five-year warranty. You know, we've got in-house tech service where you can call them. They're going to understand you. Uh, you got in-house customer service. For whatever reason you need to call us, give us a call, but we're proud of that. The five-year warranty just gives you that peace of mind that you need when you spend your money to buy a tool or whatever you're buying. You know tools aren't a hundred dollars anymore you're going to spend some money on a good tool, but it's worth it and then and when you when you get that peace of mind know that we're going to stand with you, our motto is we'll stand behind our tools like you stand behind your work
0: I like <laughs> but, that that should be on your t-shirt that was nice We'll stand behind our machines like
1: you stand behind your work and that's the that's the theory behind it and and it's 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 true yo we want to you know we don't want to just take your money we want we want to earn your money. We want to give you a good product that you're willing to pay for, and then after you buy that first one, we want to sell you the next one you need. We don't want to sell you the same one if you have to, we will, but we want to sell you a table saw, then a jointer, and we want to we want to fill your shop up with jet tools.
0: So when I go into like a Home Depot, I'll wear you know a company shirt sometimes, and strangers will literally come up to me and just ask. Start we'll start talking shop, like you and I are right now, and they've the the question always is well why is it more money or why should I get this brand and not that brand? Don't they do the same thing? If you were at a Home Depot and a guy came up to you and they were looking at a jet compared to one of your competitors, not just sell them on it. Like I'm not asking you to sell them, but what would you truly believe is different from a jet than some of the competitors and any tool?
1: Well, the, the first thing I would say is the, the peace of mind that you get when you buy a jet. You, you know, we're going to stand behind the tool. You get the five-year warranty. And it goes down to year warranty if it's used for business. Just the peace of mind alone to know that we're going to search out the best possible tool for that market. So if it's, you know, if you're looking for a thousand dollar market, just throwing a number out there, that's the tool for that in that, in that category. And you come to Jajet and buy it. It's going to be, I guess the probably the best way to say is we're going to, we're going to try to search out the best tool for you. And it's that peace of mind knowing that, We've kind of got that part covered before you before you start. Where you don't have to worry about coming back later and saying, well, I wish I bought this because I didn't know this was there. I didn't know it was like this. But it's just the peace of mind knowing that if you didn't buy something, we're just going to leave you hanging.
0: I think people do that all the time, don't you? Don't you think people go into a store or they go online or, you know, even Craigslist or something, and they're like, I just need one. I just need one. So they spend half of what they would have spent on what they should have bought and then a week after they finished their project they needed it for, they're just banging themselves in the head going, I should have just bought what mm-hmm. I knew I should have bought because now I'm dealing with this thing and I'm not happy. It's so much more gratifying to have a tool in the shop that you're like, I'm so glad that I have this helical head planer over there instead of you know something else. So I think that's yeah, a good point.
1: Yeah, and it happens all the time. But it's kind of two different ways of, of somebody just keeps spending money here and here and there on craigslist just trying to upgrade their machine versus just buy one but a lot of people just don't know the difference it's it's hard to see the difference when you can't see them side by side so if you see them side by side i've done this before myself thinking well heck that's about the same thing as what, what this is but it's not this one's half the price of this one but when i see them side, by side it becomes easy to see the difference in the uh, price and see the justification of the price. But you have certain guys that they just want to buy exactly what they need. They'll call you and they they'll say, hey, what do I need? They'll tell you what they're doing. And money is no object to them. Then you have the other guy that money's every bit object to them. So we're trying to, to get by as many tools as we can for the shop with this little bit of money. And that's tough. It takes money to build a shop and you can start out with anything. And end up with what you need or you can just start out with the best and I guess be in the hole for a little bit yeah right but it all depends on what you come out with
0: yeah I think it's a fine balance I mean a lot of our listeners I mean they range from beginners all the way up to pros Uh, a lot of a lot of guys and girls are working out of their shops now or their houses in their garage nowadays and it's like how do you justify well just like we just talked about before you justify it by knowing that you're going to have a tool that you don't have to replace or get frustrated with in the future which is super cool now when you think jet or any anybody has like a in an earlier episode we did a um a brand association like where we would say a brand and what tool came to mind because that was like the top of the of the list when it came to saying their name so When most people think JET, what tool do you think in the woodworking building community, the one thing that just pops out, like the one tool, what do they pop out and say, yep, you want the best? Um, JET offers it, it's right here. What is that tool?
1: Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm a big fan of all of them. Uh, But I would say probably the lathes and the bandsaws.
0: Yeah, Um, I was going to say lathes too.
1: Yeah, the the lathes, you know, you get uh, the... We've got an 18-inch, up to an 18-inch lathe now, and they're just phenomenal machines. Good priced, And, uh, you know, once you get them, you're kind of, you know, you might want a little bit bigger one, but it's pretty much you move on to the next tool, and that's the whole idea. But we have the smaller ones also, which are very popular. Um, even the guys that have the big lathe, they'll take the smaller one. My uncle takes his camping with him.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Turning <laughs> pens out in the forest. Generator yeah. on so you I, I, I saw online that you guys are starting to make um, like accessories for your lathes What are some of the accessories that people can opt in to get? Uh, that can contribute to making the lathe experience with jet easier.
1: We're talking about, you know, maybe getting back into the chisels we used to carry the uh, the chisels and you know, they were made in Sheffield England um, But very 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 good quality chisels and uh, i think they were priced right and i i really hope to get them back but that's it's just in the in the works right now
0: what about just like talk- the lathe guard and like that extension are those things that come with or are those just aftermarket things that you can get yeah
1: I, I wouldn't even really call them aftermarket i would call them i mean they're accessories that come that you can get with the lathe you know some people will need them some people have to have them uh, i I guess it is an accessory. We call it an accessory, but it's kind of unique to that machine. Like the the bed extension will match the casting. I mean, they're the the same, virtually the same style casting. So it's you know they don't go across the board. Where you know, if you get one for this lathe, it might not fit this one. Uh, so it's a little bit different when you when you talk accessories. I think chisels and chucks and whatnot, but. You know, we've got the stands and, and extensions, uh, some different tool rests, but uh, we don't have just a, a wide array of, of accessories.
0: Man, that would be cool to see some uh, Jet chisels pop out. That'd be pretty they sweet. Pretty good. That'd be awesome. All right, so what's new from Jet? What did you guys just launch? What's the most recent uh, goodies that you got to play with before the public did? Um, what What's something that you're really proud of right now?
1: uh well the, the bandsaws of course all three sets well there's actually six of them but uh then you've got the, the scroll saw and the dust collectors the new cyclone dust collectors they're actually pretty fun the scroll saw is pretty it's a pretty cool little little trick the scroll sawers are a different breed and they you know it, it seems to have really really taken off with them uh you hear all kinds of little stories in the it's cut their time off all down it went to a uh, a one-step clamp system so you actually with a scroller you drill a bunch of holes and you can you got to disconnect and connect that blade over and over and over again to to cut out your inner pieces there well with the one-step clamping mechanism you can just pop it off grab you another hole pull the head back down put the arm back down and clamp it and uh, it's it's really fast Um, the guys that like it the guys and gals that like it really, really seem to like it. the dust collector. I've been using, uh, the two horsepower cyclone dust collector. I've got a, a CNC machine in the background that, you know, the, the thing about the cyclone is when I end up sucking apart off my, whatever I'm cutting, it doesn't go through the fan. It'll actually drop into the canister. So I like it for that reason. You know, they're actually easy to move around. The remotes are radio frequency, uh, just does a good job. It's got they've got canisters on them so they've got really good filtration. Um the next thing probably the bandsaws and um too many nice things to say about them that they're just uh, phenomenal from as far as using it and then as far as bang for the buck for the customer, that is the the machine. Uh or this that set of machines is, is probably the biggest bang for the buck for the customer. Something else we've come out with is uh, a couple new drum sanders. We've got a 16-inch and an 18-inch. Great little machines, uh, and I call them little machines. They're really not that little. But one thing about them is the dust hood that we have on top. Engineered wood, I think I think they say it's like 25% more dust collection than the competition, which does mean a lot when you're trying to sand because keeping that dust contained and, and actually getting it from the machine to the dust collector is a big deal. Being able to breathe when you're in the shop. I mean, certain people. There's a lot of people that are actually allergic to different woods, and you know they can't. If it gets in the air and gets in their lungs, they can't work. But being able to effectively get the dust from the machine to the dust collector uh, and then keep it in the dust collector, and not spew it back out in the air, is a pretty cool, pretty uh, a cool feat to do.
0: So for people that don't know, like what a drug, like a benefit of a drum sander compared to, you know, just planing it and sanding it by hand or whatever. What would you say the biggest benefit to a drum sander is? And why would you why would you recommend some uh, shop to invest in one?
1: 12 years ago, I told you it was a kind of a gimmick until I brought my coffee table in to re- refinish it. And I thought it looked pretty good beforehand. Uh, my dad and I built it 15 years ago. And when I'm running it through the drum sander, I can see all these little marks where we weren't just perfectly flat. With a drum sander, it's coming out perfectly flat. But more so than that, more so than the crisp board, crisp look of the board, is you're taking elbow grease out. You don't have to – it just makes it easy to actually build the furniture. It makes it almost so easy that you don't think you're really doing it. Uh, you don't really feel like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing because it's so easy. I like that. Uh, and that <laughs> it That's sounds gimmicky, nice. but really not. Uh, but it's it's a must. And once you use one, and, and until you uh, use one, you can't truly understand the the need for it. But the uh, it really it it makes it really easy to to build whatever you're going to build.
0: You guys don't even offer like a benchtop um, belt sander, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: It's uh, and it's actually a, a uh, you, you know, you wrap the belt around the drum. It's a drum sander, but it's. We've got a 10-inch, a 16, an 18, and a 22. And the 22 right now, we've got uh, three of them. We've got a non-oscillating, an oscillating, and then we've got a 3-horsepower pro version. The oscillating one is the one I use here in the training center, and I, I suspect one of the 18-inch will probably come up here. Um, the oscillating is pretty nice because it, it takes off, uh, takes out a lot of those lines, that the sanding lines that you'll have.
0: Yeah, sorry, so. I misspoke there. It's definitely not a belt sander, it's a drum sander. Yeah, and then well, you have tons of other like disc sanders. Uh you have oscillating edge sanders like you were talking about. It's there's a lot. I mean, if you do, if you don't know what Jet offers, you have to go check them out. I mean, they they're offering a lot of stuff. And they even offer I call them accessories, but I guess they're just you know, what, I don't know what you call them. Like they offered all the um, mobile bases. That's another thing. I'm sure you guys sell a lot of mobile bases because when that um, 18 inch three horsepower jet bandsaw showed up at my house and it said it was 635 pounds, I called three neighbors over. One of them was kind of older. I was kind of worried about him, but uh, what are your mobile bases like and do they apply to every machine that you sell?
1: yeah the uh we've got two different mobile bases we've got one that's kind of a standard duty it'll hold up to six hundred pounds and then we've got a larger one that'll hold up to twelve hundred pounds um You can mainly fit just about you can work something out to fit just about any of it um they're universal where you know the sides you know have the little lineup holes where you can adjust it in and out um but the one thing I like about them more than some of the other uh, mobile bases that we've got with the company is you just step on it and it locks, makes it really easy. You know, it might not look as good as as a custom mobile base, but you can actually use it when you sell that machine and upgrade to another one. A lot of times you can still use that old mobile base. And just as far as using it, you step on the two locks, it's not moving.
0: Yeah. And that's nice, especially when you're using it uh, with larger material and you're really putting some, you know, some pressure or, a little bit of push behind the machine, having a lockable uh, mobile base is huge. You don't want that thing walking on you. So I think the last thing, I mean, not the last thing, but another thing I want to talk about is, I thought I was pretty familiar with Jet. Like I thought I knew everything that you guys carried. Didn't know you guys made a miter saw. What can you tell us about your miter offerings?
1: So we've got a 10 inch, just a regular 10 inch non-sliding miter saw. And then we've got a, 10-inch and a 12-inch dual bevel sliding compound saw. Um, they are, I've actually got the 12-inch at home. My dad's got the 10-inch. And I've not heard a single complaint about it. Uh with mine. Mine's a little heavy to move around. The 12-inch, it's uh, but you get that extra reach with it. Phenomenal saws. The uh 10-inch It's just a uh, compound miter saw. A little bit of light duty for me, but the 10-inch and 12-inch sliding compound miter saws are phenomenal. They've got lasers on them. They've got uh, a great fence. All of the controls are right there at your hand forward um, and plenty of power.
0: I noticed that the miter saws have the green laser in there too and not the red.
1: Right, you can see that better in the if the sunlight's kinda hitting it, the the idea behind the green is you can see it a lot better than you can the red.
0: Yeah, super cool. Let's move on to some of your table saws. You you guys offer an off site and an on site collapsible version of your table saw, which is your ten inch job site table saw, and then you can move up to like your ten inch Pro Shop series and then your deluxe. Can you talk a little bit about the table saws?
1: Yeah, you know the job site saw. You know you're at a you're in a catch 22 when you need to move it. You want to have a good saw, but you want it light enough to move. You've got to be able to put it in the back of your truck. So we've got a, a, a job site saw, which is a very light saw that you can put in the back of your truck, move around. It's got a nice stand with it, and it's got the fence and it, the wings extend and and a lot of nice features on it. It's just a lighter duty saw. It's, it has a I think it's aluminum tabletop to make it lighter and then so you can go to the job sites with that move it around it's got wheels then you go to the pro shop which you could move around that if you had a good buddy that wanted to (laughs) stick with you because you can get that with the stamp steel wings but it's pretty heavy and then you know you can get it with the cast iron wings and it makes it just a an awesome saw probably my number one pick for a home shop if you didn't want to spin and go up to the cabinet saw the The pro shop is probably the best bang for the buck, and uh, the trunnion and everything is actually bolted to the to the cabinet, and the table is bolted to the cabinet. That's what makes it a cabinet saw, even though it's kind of a contractor saw. Then you go up to the the actual cabinet saw, which the the cabinet goes all the way down to the the ground, where everything's bolted to the cabinet. And and what you really get there is if you look inside the, the guts. You're going to get a, a, a lot of meat and potatoes behind that where you're, you're, you're solid. You got plenty of horsepower. You can get a three or five horsepower in the cabinet saws. You get a much, much larger fence. Uh, you can go up to a 50, 50 inch rip capacity on that. Um, and we used to actually carry uh, Alfie tables, which I'd like to get back into, but it, that's uh, that's on down the road. Yeah.
0: I really like the fences you guys have on your, uh, on your table saws, I like them a lot. I think they a good fence on a table saw is so nice to have, I, I like, at least I think so. I mean, everybody uses tools differently, but just a good solid fence that you don't have to go out and buy another one or you guys really come through on the fence on that.
1: Yeah, and, and it makes a difference. And, and one thing about it is the fences have actually evolved to where now you can actually adjust them. So you can adjust them in line with your blade or square to the table. You have that ability to adjust. So by doing that, it does add more manufacturing process, which adds more money. But anytime we can kind of roll it in in there, and I don't think you really saw any kind of difference in price whenever that finally started making the market.
0: Yeah, and you guys carry joiners. I mean you guys you guys offer it all really. Lastly, I I I want to bring up your planers are ridiculous too i think i would love to have a nice helical head you know jet planer in my shop maybe one day and the wife won't know (laughs) so maybe she won't see that check clear um but lastly is uh your clamps your parallel clamps now i didn't know that jet made parallel clamps um i actually use like a competitors but i didn't know that you guys made them but then there's like a lock on yours that's a little different from everyone else's Why would people want to choose a jet parallel clamp over maybe a competitor?
1: Well, one thing is the, uh, I believe you actually get a a, a taller clamp. And one thing about those clamps is it has the slide guide trigger, which pinch the trigger and you can actually move the head wherever you need to. Uh, It just makes it a lot easier, but the actual heads are a little bit bigger. The the jaws, I think, are a little taller. Uh, So they're a little bit bigger. You can get a thousand... I think thousand foot pounds of clamping force within any, any of them, but they're just real handy to have, and it just it just lines it up.
0: Yeah, I think um talking with yeah, and I think with talking with Casey, um, who's your marketing lady over there, um, we might have a surprise when it comes to these clamps at the. I'll tell you more about it at the end of the show. Jet, I think Jet's gonna come through and hook Grain Knocker Nation up, which is super cool. Well, thanks for coming on today. At the end of uh, each show, we do a thing where I ask. You know, yes or no questions. So basically, you can't say anything else but yes or no. Are you down to play that? Yeah, let's try it out. Okay. Chicago pizza is better than New York pizza. Yes or no? Yes. Thank you very much. I'll add that to the total of yeses. All right, there we go. Yes or no? Jet Woodworking in the near future is going to come out with a brand new product to market that no one has seen before from Jet. Yes. Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? Nation? That is awesome. We'll do one more, yes or no. Jet woodworking will change the color of their iconic white, red, and black in the future. no, thank you don't change don't change it. It's like Chevy changing the bow tie. You know you can't do that. <laughs> hey, uh, Russell Mason over at Jet. Thank you so much for coming on. I know that um, Jet is under the umbrella of a couple other companies like Powermatic. So hopefully we'll have you on in the future. and We could talk a little bit about Powermatic and inform everyone else. I hope you had fun. Uh, Thank you for coming on. Hope you come on again.
1: Yeah, thank you. I had a great time.
0: Well, guys, we're done with Episode 8. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Rustic Duck for co-hosting with me today and sharing a lot of what she goes through and what she's been through. Uh, and giving some of her advice. Thank you to Russell Mason over at Jet uh, for coming on, telling us about Jet products. And speaking about Jet products, they, breaking right here on Grain Knockers, if you've stuck out this whole episode, because it is a long one, Jet is coming out with a new product, and they don't make this product yet, and it's going to be new to market very soon. Jet is coming out with a router table with all the goodies. Keep your eye out for Jet. Where do, Where do you find Jet? Let me tell you. You can go to Jet's website at jettools.com. You can go to their Instagram and Facebook, both under Jet Period Woodworking. Their Twitter is at Jet underscore Woodworking. Their YouTube is Jet Tools USA. Also, just for Grain Knocker listeners, go to our Instagram under Grain Knockers, and in the bio, I'm going to put a link. This link is going to get you one hell of a deal on the jet parallel clamps. Go click the link if you need some parallel clamps and you want money off. It's a great deal. knockers, episode nine, more great stuff. Thanks for being a part of Knocker Nation. This is Bill from William Patrick Customs, and I like butter.